0: Welcome everyone. So uh, does anybody want to start the conversation?
1: Something I've been thinking about or examining. So uh, I've been trying to sit in a, uh, what I call would say air quote, a good posture. uh, So I feel like the, you know, the chi is, uh, circulating. So what I like to do is where that happens the most is like I'll lower the, uh, coccyx bone, you know, not, not too stressfully, just lowering it. So it's, it's a little bit extended and then lift the chest so that I'm s- the straight through, uh, the backbone straight and the chest is all straight through the thorax. And then, uh, Roberto actually gave me as a hint, he used to be a head holding my head like a string, but he's saying, like, think about your head being a helium balloon and then just having it pull up. So it's the idea of getting a, not too tense, but a straight line, you know, going there. So it helps, for me, the flow of energy. But mm-hmm. and when I'm doing that, then the, the challenge is always in my abdominal area is to keep the stress out of that area. So to try to keep, that's almost like a challenge, just like, you know, having the mind centered on the breath and having it float away and having it come back and having it, it's like that with that, you know, it's like, okay, make sure I'm straight and then check out my tense of my abdomen. So it's, it's back and forth like that. So any insert tips or speculations related to that?
0: So, I mean, do you find that, that, uh, you have a lot of challenges with your abdominals being over active or?
1: Not overactive, but there's a the the activity of keeping all that straight seems Mm -hmm. to like, you know, you can see like you'd almost use your, you know, your stomach, your abdomen muscles to, to pull it, you know, to do that, you know, so it's how to, how to stay in that, uh, structure without stressing those muscles so it's not like they're normally overactive or you know stress or you know you know feelings of emotion there or anything like that it's just that that's part of the physiology i think of trying to stay straight so and maybe i'm putting too much emphasis on trying to stay straight so i don't know so it's something i've been you know working on the last couple of weeks and so i just like to bring it up
0: yeah so, I mean, I'm probably not the, the best expert on this and, and Gilbert may have some, some additional things to say about it because um, I suspect he's probably more of an expert on it than I am. But uh, just from my own experience, the, thing, the things that I find um, most helpful in avoiding having too much activity going on in the, both in the lower back muscles, the upper back muscles and the abs when you're trying to sit up straight is, uh, first of all, uh, play around with seat height. Uh, because how high your seat is has a substantial effect on where the balance point is and it's different for different people. And it's also different depending on what kind of shape you're in. Like, you know, if you do yoga a lot, then you might be able to sit flat on the floor or, um, women often can sit flat on the floor or men don't often have quite as much going on in the butt. So, uh, so they don't have any, as much natural padding. And so therefore it's, it's a little harder to, to do that. Um. So definitely play with seat height. Um, and also, you know, when you're sitting like pay attention to like where, because there's like a variety of positions you can be in that'll basically be stable. And some of them involve more effort than others. And it's really like my personal experience is it's just, you just have to play with it. And then like, you know, what happens when you let go? Cause you, you, you can't be sitting there in your meditation for hours, like concentrating on keeping your body straight. That's not, you know, that's a distraction, right? So, so um, you know, see what happens when you just completely release it. Does, does, does your body want to do something? Do you find that you can't release it? Um, because, because you're, you have to hold on to it in order to stay sitting up. So, you know, because there's a tendency, if you're not if you're not holding a good pos- posture, there's a tendency that when you're sitting um, like this and you're holding it, that as soon as you release it, you'll sort of go a little bit. And um, that can, that can, if you, and you can probably stay stable in this position for a whole sit, but you'll be sore afterwards. Uh, so, so that's not a good outcome. So sometimes like getting back a little bit helps to, do the stack of coins thing that I think uh, I don't know if it was Federico or Reed was talking about. Um, Reed, yeah. So that's that's my take on it. I, I I don't claim to be an expert on this, and I think you 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 kind of have to experiment because everybody is different. Um, so
2: the only thing I would add is um, don't overthink the. You know, not ten- over tensing your uh, your stomach, your abdomen muscles, um, because sometimes you just you, you tense them and they seem tense, kind of, and you kind of more apply the a set it and forget it <laughs> type perspective. And if yeah, I mean, if they're tensing, you just sort of sit with it and just over time you you will naturally relax into a posture even if um your posture is very rigid or 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 tense and then you'll kind of you know you can you can slowly take away the um yeah that the the extra muscle tension um so there is that way as opposed to um you know when, when trying to build good posture when you first do it, it's always going to feel uncomfortable. It's always going to feel kind of, you know, extra, you know, too tense. So, yeah. So, hence, I would just say, like, yeah, I mean, one way is mean, just keep, keep trying, experimenting. And, um, you know, I mean, if you feel like you're tense in your abdomen, just, just see how that it goes for a couple sits and, sits. Um, and I think just see if there's any improvements over time. And what I found is, yeah, you just you naturally uh, get better at it. Particularly if you like, you emphasize the posture, and that also becomes part of the meditation. Right, okay. holding the posture requires, you know, holding the right intention, um, and most of the things work out over time. Because, like I said, if it's really not working, you're going to continually getting the same message. But the thing is, of course, not to. Um, not to obsess too much about that sort of feedback, too, because you know I mean actually sitting <laughs> you can get a little sore right so it's it's a fine balance right of knowing when when to pay attention to the feedback of some soreness in your body um, and when not to, because there is you there is something good of like being kind of at your edge um not too tense um not too difficult not too much pain but just like some a little bit there's some benefit of just being with some so you can work with like oh the extraneous mental stuff that comes up um and working on that like suffering (laughs) that we add to it so anyway see if any of that helps i
3: guess Um, uh, one,
0: one thing to, to add to what Gilbert is saying, cause I think you were pointing to this, but I don't know if you said it explicitly is that it's, uh, it's just another one of the little loops that you have to teach your mind how to do, right? Like, like, you know, every, every stage of meditation is characterized by some sort of mental habit forming that wasn't there before. And and once that mental habit is formed, then your mindfulness is able to, to just, do the habit without you having to, to, you know, do anything other than intend to have that happen. And the same would be true of your posture. I mean, like when, you know, when I first started sitting, um, there was a lot of pain and I noticed over the course of probably the first six months of sitting that um, my stomach got flatter. And uh, that was clearly the result of, of, of using my abs, right? And so um, that's not necessarily like it's not like you're gonna not, you know, be using your abs um, when you're sitting. It's not like it's not like it's not like the ultimate goal is for your body to be completely free of muscle tone while you're sitting. Um, you're gonna have to hold some muscle tone to sit. The the thing is, you don't want to be sitting there going like, okay, I need to adjust my abs. I need to like, are my abs too tight or too? You know, like you, you, this stuff all has to become automatic. And, and so this is just part of the process, making it automatic. Thank you very much. Sure. Who's next?
4: I guess I'll go. Nobody else is burning to ask any questions. Uh, let's see I think last week I was talking about dullness quite a bit um, so I tried the cold shower that uh, the Jean-Francois was his name that I Boy recommend. is a hard ass <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said uh, take the cold shower and notice, notice what happens before you do it so I noticed that I, I turned on the water and I just before I went in I said this is gonna fucking suck and, uh, that was my <laughs> reaction <laughs> that went yeah. it sucked yeah yeah I was, well i went in and i was like trying to catch my breath and like you know that kind of thing yep. uh eventually i got used to it and then actually the for actually most of this week i've actually been taking cold showers because i actually kind of like it as it turns out so um <laughs> <laughs> whether or not it help with dullness i think uh the first day i i took i did that but then i ended up doing a little bit of other stuff before i Before I sat, so I uh, I still had dullness come a little bit later. Um, I've tried it. I think the next day I forgot. I did about 18 minutes, and I was falling asleep. Uh, So I got up and went into the cold shower, and then came back and sat down. and And then I wasn't dull anymore. I was just agitated. So I think it worked. (laughs) Score. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, (laughs) it it, it, uh, helped to focus the the problem. Uh-huh. From one to the other, I guess. Nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, dull, dullness has been a little bit less of an issue. I think also I, I did some some night sits, which usually, almost always, are, I, I get really sleepy, and um, I was kind of surprised it didn't, didn't happen as much. I didn't do any cold showering or anything before then. Um, yeah, so that and just general, this crazy December stuff going on, which is making a, a lot of disturbance and so I would say I would say I'm practicing at stage one at this point right this past week.
0: Mm. Um, Are you missing sets?
4: Uh, I almost missed one yesterday because it was so busy but I remembered at about eight thirty when I had to go to sleep at about nine so I was able to do it I think uh, I did about 20 minutes and I was just really really dull and didn't have the energy to to kind of bring myself back, but well done. um yeah and still seriously I'm still, yeah i I mean uh, I' even if I don't do a f- my full amount, I still am trying to do anything every single day I'm trying to keep right. that that streak going so um some a few days this week, I did get up early from my sit because I was just coming up with excuses or I was agitated about this or that or somebody started doing something loud in the next room. And I just said, uh, uh I can't
0: deal with it even though
4: I know not to do that,
0: but, uh, mm. so, so tell me a little bit about what's going on in your, in your mind. When, when you, when that happens, because that's a, that's an interesting juncture in your meditation, right? Something's frustrating yeah.
4: you and sure. Um, when I, when I basically get to the point where I'm arguing with myself, like, should I, so I just do it later it's too loud now too much interruption and or when I actually get up um I would say usually I kind of it's usually based on how many things are happening at once where I just am like okay I am quite agitated and the med- meditation's not going well uh and then something else happens. Uh, oh, i also happens to be really hungry, but I'm going to stay. And then, Oh, and then someone turns on the TV in the next room and takes a phone call on speakerphone. And then I all th- like all three things at the same time. And I just say, nah, no. Nah. Okay. That's, that's one too many. And I just, I, I'll come back later. And then sometimes I come back like at, in the evening um, this past week, not too much. Cause it's, it's been so busy with, all this stuff going on Christmas and all that thing. So um I try to say, oh no, just stay, just stick it out. You know, there's got this this argument going on. Um and I did have kind of a a little bit of an insight on that, which was um I was kind of looking for what the craving was because in basically in one over one second I can go from yes, this is this meditation, um um, I'm doing it, and then the next second, I really want to get up and go because of whatever. And uh, I try to find out what the craving was. With that, what was the aversion? Was it what, what I was thinking about, or this or that? And I think the aversion was the uh, was the fight, the resistance in my yep. mind that was saying, "Get up, don't no stay. Get up, don't no stay. Get up, don't no stay." And it's exhausting.
5: Yes,
0: um, it's called decision fatigue. <laughs> What's it called? Decision fatigue? Yeah, 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 it's a huge problem. And actually, one of, the, one of the best things you can do with decision fatigue is anticipate all of the decisions you're going to have to make beforehand and decide how it's going to go, and then just follow whatever that is. Um, because then, then it's like, oh, you know, okay, I have this question arising in my mind, but I already know the answer, and so it's a lot less work. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. One yeah. thing I would suggest with uh, the whole, you know, TV, speaker, phone thing... Um, if you're already sitting on the cushion, I mean, it's definitely ideally not good to just decide, okay, well, I'll break the meditation because everything's wrecked. Um, but sitting there and just putting up with it is not really a good answer either because um, that's going to be frustrating, right? You're not going to be able to do the thing that you set out to do when you started, right? When you started, you probably set out and you were hoping to do close following and that was going to be great. So, what I would suggest that you do when this happens is. Um, tweak your intention rather than getting up tweak your intention a little bit to work with, uh, the situation because, um, and I'll tell you this from my own experience. Um, you can have some really amazing meditation results from sitting when someone's talking and just trying to keep your attention on the breath, but understanding that it's not going to work, but just doing that experiment anyway, because what'll happen is, it gives you an opportunity to really see what the, what the boundary is between a disturbance in awareness and a disturbance in attention. You can go all the way from gross distraction on the person on the speakerphone to they're just an attention. And so, and and the experience of having someone just be an attention talking is really interesting. Um, Like it's worth waiting for because it's fascinating because you'll hear it and you'll know that they're talking but you won't know what they're saying. You won't understand the words, or it, it varies. You might understand the words they're saying a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, the, 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 the more they're in attention, the less work the mind is doing to put together what they're saying, the more you'll just hear talking, but you won't know what it is. And so, um, so I tell you this not just because, um, not just because I think it's a great practice to do, but because it's so interesting when that happens, that it's worth the wait. And I'm trying to give you something to, to, to like that that part of your mind that's like, no, I want to get up. No, no, there's there, it, there's actually like it's worth sitting and, and seeing if you can get mm-hmm. to that point because it is really cool. Um, the reason I know about this is because Andrea and I were uh, uh, at a, a teaching in Cape Ann a couple of years ago and um, uh, with Chuladasa. And so we were in that kind of like space. where We were like, no, no, we're going to meditate no matter what. Right, so a lot of determination, and we were meditating in a friend's house, and um, there were two people standing outside on the sidewalk talking, and so like here I am, I'm sitting here meditating, I can hear them talking. There, it's there's a lot going on, and I was just like, okay, but you know, I'm here for a Chuladasa retreat weekend. I'm not going to just like get up. That would be that that uh, I you know what if Chuladasa asked me how my practice is going? That would be so embarrassing. So, uh, so instead I just sat there and, and did everything I could to not hear what they were saying. And, and, you know, so basically I was holding an intention to just not follow the conversation, even though I could hear it. And over the course of an hour meditation, um, at the end of the hour, I was in this incredibly bright, active mental state, like no dullness at all. Um, Total, total stability on the breath. I could hear the conversation, but I had no idea what was being said. It was really cool. So I just, you know, given that you have this happen to you a lot, particular, particularly, particularly right now around the holidays, I, I'm assuming, um, take advantage of it. See if you can See if you can actually use it to produce an interesting result rather than just like struggling with it and trying not to be defeated by it.
2: Well, and one thing I'll say is, of course, um, if you can handle the frustration of like working with that, you know, the more challenging sits with, you know, the more challenging in the more challenging environments that has, I think, you know, some of the most beneficial, like transformative impacts on on your mind and like your ability to carry forward the meditation, like in your daily life because yeah you're constantly going to have situations that are you know not ideal not working to to what you want them to right but but the the key is of course is to not you know um, uh, not over frustrate yourself right because if you over frustrate yourself you know for for too long and we and that changes and over time we can, we build up like our frustration tolerance so to speak um, but in, depending on like in the beginning you, you want things to go like easy or not, not too difficult. Right. So, but if it's something you don't have control over and it's like, it's during the only time you sit, then, um, and it's just like, you know, you know, it's not going to be in, in indefinite. It's just for the holidays. Like see if, you know, see how well you can stick it out and think like, you know, this agitation that I'm experiencing, the difficulty, that's actually, that's part of progress. Yep. Cause Um it's interesting when you said, you know, you did this you did this thing, right? And I I got out of dullness and I was in agitation. And for my mind and hearing that, I was like, oh well, that's progress, right? That's 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 huge progress because actually that is exactly what happens, right? You you uh uh, you raise the energy level of the mind and then that's what meets you is like agitation, right? Um and so you then you're working on when you're working with agitation, you're working with like a, a higher order sort of problem, right? Like the next level, um, and so the difficulties of you just sitting there. I mean, that's like a yeah a higher ordered sort of difficulty than if you're in like the most peaceful meditation environment and meditating's easy. And um, I mean, it's good. It's good to have those sometimes. But like in life, life is not like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever had this experience, Gilbert, but I remember early on when I was trying to meditate and this was years ago and it actually, I totally failed to to deal with this. But it seemed like every time I sat down to meditate, the noise would start consistently, like it wasn't noisy. And then I would sit down to meditate and suddenly the noise would start. And, you know, after a while I was just like, I just have to sit whenever there's noise because, because that's like the, the universe is throwing this at me. And, you know, I'm not really big on the whole woo thing, but, but, um, but, it was actually helpful to think of it that way, like just, you know, this is just the, the, you know, this is what the universe is teaching me this year. Like I am going to be sitting in noise, noise for the year. That's how it's going to be. And then, you know, having, having sort of accepted that, like, you know, putting that sort of mental model on it made it easier to just be like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about this, so I might as well just keep going. Um, But, you know, ultimately I didn't actually succeed that time, so oh well that's uh <laughs> that's kind of what i was feeling like about i said i
4: i swear every time yep uh i sit i have like a, a five minute warm-up mm-hmm. and then another bell goes off to begin as soon as the second bell goes off the neighbor's dog starts barking right yeah you can't so hear it. he's yep. down too far nope it's just the
0: the universe it is oh yeah but, you gotta uh, develop that reverse paranoia yeah the universe exactly. is just trying to get you enlightened yeah, Exactly everything that's that's happening is like a massive conspiracy to get you enlightened. (laughs) All
4: right. Well, that's a a more optimistic way to look at it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's no more correct than thinking that everything is happening as a massive conspiracy to make you miserable. So you might as well pick the one that's optimistic, right?
4: That's absolutely true. (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll let someone else go in case there's anything else. Cool.
0: Thanks. Thanks guys. Who's next?
6: I'll hop in here. All right. Um, thanks for hosting these, Ted. It's uh, yeah. my second week here, and I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, uh, I've had a, a daily practice, a sincere practice for, um, I'd say, like, eight months or so right now. I've been working with TMI for probably about six of those, um, and uh, as of fairly recently, I'd say i reached up to, like, stage four-ish territory um and uh interestingly as almost uh immediately after like within a, a week or two after i felt comfortable saying that i'd reached stage four practices there was this immediate backslide like massive discouraging upsetting backslide um to the point where to the point where I'm, you know, it's, it's really hard just to sit through the entire session. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll normally, I, I normally sit a few times a day for between like 30 minutes or either 30 minutes or 45 minutes typically, sometimes an hour.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, and uh, that was up until this started happening. And, and now it's like, you know, a 30 minute sit is that I get all the way through without, you know, without even picking up my clock to see where I'm at, you know, that's a, that's a real victory just being able to get through it without getting frustrated. And, um, and, and, you know, I suspect the answer is just power through and just, (laughs) just keep going. But it's, it's really, it's really a frustrating place to be, especially, um, you know, I've had, um, points in the past, particularly on retreat where I've had, um, you know, uh, uh, sessions with just incredibly stable attention. I mean, I mean, what feels to me like this mm-hmm. mystical level of stable attention is really, mm-hmm. for me, really profound. Um, and then to be back here is just, you know, I'm kind of shaking my fist a little bit and trying, to, trying not to get uh, sucked into like a, a whirlpool of negativity. And and mm-hmm. successfully, you know, I mean, I'm keeping a, I'm staying optimistic about it. Um, but but that doesn't change the sort of discouragement I'm feeling on the on the cushion.
0: Yeah. So what you're describing is not an unusual experience. Um just that might be a little comforting. It is. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple things. Uh now first of all, uh you said that you got to a point where you felt like you could describe yourself as being at stage four and then suddenly all this stuff happened. So um what when you sit down and, and, and this frustration occurs, is it just like a lot of, a lot of gross distraction or, uh, is it just like really, really sort of, sort of deep frustration, lack of willingness to continue sitting kind of thing? It's, um,
6: it's usually a lot of gross distraction that sort of leads into that frustration. I mean, it, it starts out with just, uh, you know, um, not a, a lack of smooth transition into a, into a good session, the sort, of, the sort of transition that I was starting to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that sort of is what leads to like, like the, the discouragement and frustration and, and antsiness yeah. to come back to it later.
0: Right. So, I mean, this is actually kind of similar to what uh, Gilbert was talking about earlier um, where you you get over a certain degree of sort of low energy um, and suddenly like all of this stuff comes up and you know one way to look at it is it's a purification another way to look at it is it's it's um, a distraction and you just need to, to learn to be better at, at uh, dealing with distractions um, so really i mean what you're describing is the work of stage 4 right stage 4 is when the thing that you're experiencing right now happens um, stage 4 is the land of agitation it's the land of dullness like th- these are the these are the challenges that you that you have to overcome to get through stage 4 so so one thing to say is you know you're 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 at the you're at the coal face here i mean you're 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 doing the stuff you need to do um and and so and that won't necessarily help you. But, but I just say that because part of the frustration might be, well, this isn't really what I wanted, but guess what? You know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to get to a four minute mile, there's going to be a certain amount of pain and suffering along the way.
6: Right. Um, yeah. No, it, it is a, it is a relief just to hear that this isn't uh, Yeah. yeah that this is a, it's sort of a predictable hurdle, I guess yeah. what you're saying a little bit. Yeah. Um,
0: and there's a couple of things like, like I, I have some techniques that, that I used when I, when I hit this phase. Um, and, uh, there are some other things I would also suggest. One technique that I used when I hit this phase was to, um, figure out how long into the meditation it happened. Um, and then do a meditation that lasted about five minutes longer than that. And just really like, make that five minutes like my struggle and do the struggle for five minutes. And, and and the fact that I knew that the meditation was going to end in five minutes made the struggle less frustrating and easier to get through because, because I knew that I didn't have to do it for like an hour, right? I wasn't going to be sitting there being frustrated for an hour. I was going to be sitting there being frustrated for five minutes and I could do five minutes of frustration. No, no sweat. Right. So, so that's one thing that I did that I found really helpful. Um, and uh, another thing is, is uh, dig into to like what it is that you need to do to overcome gross distraction because that is the practice, right? So gross distraction, the way that gross distraction happens is you're sitting there minding your own business, following the breath, and a distraction comes up. And when it comes up, it's a subtle distraction. Um, and the problem is you don't notice that it came up. Um, or maybe you notice that it came up, but you don't do anything about it. And sometimes you don't need to do anything about it. I mean, like, you know, some distractions are just going to come and go. They're going to be subtle distractions. They're not going to turn into gross distractions. Other distractions, though, are going to turn into gross distractions, definitely. And you can often tell, if you notice the distraction at the beginning, you can often tell, well, this one's going to be a gross distraction. problem is you don't notice it until it's already become a gross distraction, at which point you're, like, in it. Right. And now you're like, (laughs) try to get your balance back. Right. (laughs) So, um, so the way this goes is basically just like, you know, at first, at first you, and and it doesn't, it's not like you're immediately going to start noticing the subtle distractions. Like you set the intention to notice the subtle distractions because that's ultimately where you want to get to. But also when the gross distraction happens, you know, my experience of that when it first started was, it was like, you know, at first the gross distraction would come along and it would be like, you know, wrestling with a crocodile, right? You're not going to win that battle. You're not ever going to pin the, the crocodile, but maybe you can avoid getting bitten. <laughs> so, so basically if you can like maintain your mindfulness and like, it's, it's just like, you know, this thing that's going on, you're just like totally out of balance and like all over the place for like, you know, a whole long period of time. And then eventually the mental impulse that started the g- distraction dies. And when the mental impulse dies, your, your meditation levels out, right? And then another distraction comes along and the same thing happens. But, but that's, that's okay. You know, like you maintain your mindfulness throughout the distraction, even though you weren't able to make the distraction stop. And um, so, you know, and this is sort of like skiing a mogul run when, you're, when you suck at skiing mogul runs. Like basically you're losing your balance constantly and you're getting it back constantly. And so, so just like do that and, and, you know, just be okay with the fact that that's what you're doing right now. And that can be, that can help. That can, that can help a bit. Okay. Um, and then over time, what you'll find is that uh, you're more able to, um, when the crocodile wrestling starts, you're more able to like notice that you're wrestling a crocodile and jump out of the pen, right? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to just continuing to wrestle the crocodile, Right. Um, so, so that doesn't come immediately. So don't be discouraged that that doesn't happen. You'll start to notice that it happens sometimes, not all the time. And then after a while, it'll start to happen most of the time. And then eventually it'll be happening all the time. Like always, you know, when the distraction comes up, you'll be able to notice the distraction came up and quickly jump out of the pen back into your sort of stable meditation, which may immediately get disturbed again. Um, and then after that, there comes a point where you start noticing the subtle distractions before, before you actually jump into the crocodile pen, let's say, right? So, so, you know, I think I've probably beaten this metaphor up enough, but- I, No,
6: I, I love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so yeah, your, your, you, your, your goal is to get to where you, where you notice that you're about to jump into the crocodile pen before you actually land in the crocodile pen. Um, and when you get to that point, of course, what's going to happen is now you're going to succeed in noticing the subtle distraction and letting go of it before it becomes a gross distraction. And then you'll land in dullness. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So, okay. Stage four is a rollicking adventure.
6: Yeah. Okay. No, that, that actually helps tremendously. That really does. Okay. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right. uh, So now that we've talked about crocodile wrestling, what should we talk about next?
4: One thing I wanted to mention in regards to that, um, i I've been trying to, I've been trying, I found something that was interesting that I've been trying to use this week. Tuladasa um, uh, was talking about flow in one of the audios he has, the jhanas. Um, and in the first part, he's kind of going through kind of what's in, like, what's in the book where he talks about every definition or every uh, necessary part of flow that that needs to be there to get into a flow experience. Um, And one of the things he talks about is adjusting your expectation to match your, your capability. And when, in that way, you're not getting frustrated and when you're not getting frustrated and you're actually consistently achieving what you set out to do, no matter what the level is, you are right. It's called uh, being like right on the boundary of the challenge of the task that is perfectly balanced with your ability to perform the task. So if your expectation is, Oh, I should be following the breath. I should be doing this, that, and your mind's just not capable of that, or because it's not trained or there's already disturbed or dullness or something like that, then, um, you're going to be frustrated. Happiness isn't going to rise. You're not going to, nothing's really going to happen for you. Good. Or maybe in the background, something like that. But he says, um, Uh, let's see, I wrote it down, what he said. Um, Flow appears at the boundary where the challenge of the task is perfectly balanced with the person's ability to perform the task. This is where we go wrong with meditation very often. We want to be better than we can be. We want to be able to perform our meditation practice at a level we have not yet trained our mind to a degree we're capable of, or else we sit down with a mind that was sufficiently disturbed or dull already that we can't do it. But no matter what state of training your mind is, your meditation can become a flow experience if you adjust your expectation to match what you're capable of doing. Now it appears that the boundary of the challenge of the task is perfectly balanced. You have to be doing your absolute best. You have to adjust your level of expectation so that moment by moment, you are rewarded by the success you are capable of. Even if you forget and your mind wanders, if the expectation that you hold is that, is that you instantly realize it, you will be glad you realized it, let go, and come back, and you succeeded. And if you meditate that way, rather than, oh, no, oh, no, I've forgotten again, it becomes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a winner, and happiness begins to arise. So I thought that was, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. good.
5: Where well, did you hear
4: that? Uh, so the yeah, so there's, in the audio archive, there's um, a series called The Jhanas, Ah. It's just called The Jhanas. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is the first audio um, somewhere in that, on the first one. So um, I think I'm actually going to post this on Reddit. So I will, you guys can probably check that out soon on there. Because um, it's very helpful for me, at least theoretically.
0: That's brilliant. I Thank you for sharing that. I, I,
6: I it's really very appreciate good.
5: that. Yeah. Yeah, that's
6: really? that's I, I I needed that actually. I, I <laughs> just mentioned this in chat. I'd heard this before, um or read it. I, I have no idea where, but um as soon as you started mentioning it, I'm like, Yes, absolutely. Like yeah, that's that's yeah. right. That's, that's, that's when I
4: yeah. heard it I had to I had to rewind it and say, What did I just hear? And then listen to it again and say, Oh look, look, let me rewind that again. Hold on, let me okay, now I'm just gonna write yeah. down exactly what he's saying, and go sure. through it. Yeah.
6: You, you, you should post that on Reddit. Someone, someone else <laughs> will appreciate that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe include a link to the, to the teaching so that people can get it. I mean, it's amazing. You know, like you, you, you read the book and the book is really great. And then you sit down and you listen to Chula Dasa say stuff. And every so often he says something like, I mean, what he says generally is always really useful, but every so often he says something and you're just like, Whoa. <laughs> and that was, that's, that's an example. That's really great.
4: Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm still trying to put that into practice. Like where what's my expectation Mm -hmm. at? Um, But I think a few days ago, I heard this and I just tried to really, really, really lower my expectations to just like what he's talking about, just being Mm -hmm. happy to eventually recognize them. I wonder, and I think that kind of helped with the struggle a little bit. It didn't necessarily make it all like Oh, I'm so happy now. This is great. But it was at least like a less like frustrated
5: with with, with what's going on. Nice. Anybody want to go next? I
0: could keep going.
5: I could bring up some stuff.
0: I got a huge list. (laughs) Oh boy! I see. I don't know whether 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 like it looks like Martin's actually having technical difficulties. So that may be why he hasn't asked a question. Um, So, but. yeah. I mean, uh, I just, you know, I, I, sort of, I sort of like hold open the, the, the floor so that people can ask questions, but I can also call on people if that's, if that's easier. I mean, it would be, uh, I don't want somebody to, to feel like they just didn't get their turn. So, um, you know, Federico, did you have anything in particular you wanted to bring up?
3: Well, I, I wonder what you guys think, uh, about the necessity of retreats, mm. uh, I was um, at um, Stronghold in September. There was a retreat uh, with Chula Nass and Daniel Ingram. This was my first retreat. And maybe the last one in the uh, short period of time ahead of me, probably in the next year or so, because you have business of schedule, sorts of other things. So I wonder, I asked Chula Das about this and, he said that two hours per day would be a good compensation for a lack of retreats and that's what i'm trying to do but uh, i wonder what uh, you guys think uh, how 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 indispensable the retreats are in the short hopefully no. they are <laughs> Uh, I mean it's
0: it's definitely the nice thing about retreats is wherever you are the retreat gets you a little ways past that and you get kind of a view from the mountaintop Um, so so when you can do a retreat you should do a retreat Uh, one of the things that Reed was talking about uh, when you're in retreat like there's a lot of things that normally you're kind of like on your list of like I should be doing this that are no longer on your list And so, like particularly if you go to some place like Kochi stronghold, where like you don't have a decent internet connection, so you can't get any work done online. Um, You're far away from everything, so you can't like you know go you know go to the Apple Store or something like that. I mean, like all of these distractions that normally come up uh, in day to day life just can't come up, and so that can really affect your meditation. It can really um, improve your meditation. So when you have the opportunity to do a retreat, you should. If I mean. You know, I shouldn't say should, but it's it's worth doing. Um but if you don't have the opportunity to do a retreat, then yeah, absolutely, like you know, two hours a day, or uh like if you have a weekend where you don't have anything scheduled and there are no demands on your time, maybe decide that you're gonna do like four sits that day. Um and uh that'll give you a little a little like bump up, you know, a little like not quite a view from the top of the mountain, but maybe a view from a pass or something. Um and uh so you know, yeah, you can definitely, uh, you can definitely make progress without doing retreats. Um, I think, you know, two hours a day is great if you can do that. If you can't do that, don't be discouraged. Uh, Like if you you can't do that every day, don't be discouraged. One thing you can do that that can also help is maintaining continuity. So suppose like your goal is you're going to try to meditate two hours a day as many days as you can, but you can't do it every day. Well, so maybe you'll meditate an hour, like maybe your normal sit is an hour and your extra sit is normally going to be another hour, but, but you don't have time to do two hours today. So maybe you'll do uh, 15 minutes or half an hour um, at the end of the day. And then so if you're, if you're doing a sit in the morning, do a sit in the evening, what, what that does is it gives you a little bit more of a circle, a little bit more connection between your sits. And, um, that, so, you know, in retreat, of course, the connection between your sits is really powerful because you're like sitting and then you're taking a little break or maybe doing a walking meditation and then you're sitting again. And so that's incredibly powerful, but you can get a little bit of that power just by meditating twice a day with a, you know, decent gap between the sits. Um, so that, so that, so that like, you know, if you think of the meditation as sort of like a bump up into a nice place and then you slowly, gradually drop off and then bump up again, if you can keep the peaks you know, you, you can actually, your baseline can be higher. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, but definitely if you can, if you can do a retreat and, you know, if the next time you can do a retreat is a year from now, that's great.
3: Are, are there people that have achieved uh, shamata, the 10th stage, without going to a retreat? I, I guess this was what I was wondering about. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, I will do my best not having the opportunity to go for a retreat. And once I have, I will certainly use it. But I wonder, is there a reasonable chance to make uh, a continuous progress without a retreat? Uh, I'm now between five and seven at the retreat. I, I was able to have a glimpse of stage eight. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if I don't have a chance to go um, anywhere, could I achieve stage eight, maybe possibly even nine in, say, two years, just with the continuous daily practice and uh, occasional weekend self-made retreats? Anyway, so probably it's a question that (laughs) is... uh, uh, it's, uh, no one can answer it. I should just give it a shot and see what happens. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, one thing to bear in mind about that question is as you were asking the question, I was thinking to myself, well, who do I know that's reached stage 10 without doing a retreat? Um, the answer is I don't know anybody who's reached stage 10 without doing a retreat, but you just did a retreat. So you're not a person who hasn't done a retreat.
5: <laughs>
0: so, People will be the first, who knows? Well, no, but my point is you won't because you just did a retreat. So, yeah, so yeah, um, right. yeah, so, so I would I would really just suggest that you ex- do the experiment because it sounds like you're pretty dedicated to your practice anyway. So it's not like you're not going to do it. Um, so just see what happens. And, you know, if I, I think, you know, there's every reason to believe that you can make substantial progress without actually doing a formal retreat. Um, so just, you know, the, what you've outlined, you know, doing two hours a day and maybe, maybe weekends sometimes. Yeah.
3: Actually, I just realized that I post, um, um, I, I participate I participate in some meetings like this with Nick grab yes. from Vancouver. Um, And I posed this question to him about a year ago, and he told me that he actually achieved stream entry without going, even, I think he said, second path, uh, without Mm -hmm. going for a retreat, but then he somehow achieved the 10th stage of shamatha. I don't remember whether he mentioned it was before or after going through retreats but I remember him saying that achieving the 10th stage of shamatha was relatively easy for him after the second path so it was probably a very special case but anyhow uh, I just wanted to throw it in.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick. I, I don't know if it's actually true that Nick has never done had never done a retreat before he re- achieved stream entry, but um, I think what he was this was his
3: of, clean. Yeah, this was his claim. Definitely clean. Really?
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was
3: but, like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, Nick is uh, yeah, Nick is sort of our sort of our uh, our uh, uh, magic unicorn, and he's we're <laughs> in the same teacher training course, and Nick is just like you know he's he's got a family, and you know his wife achieved stream entry a different way than he did, but they, they're both stream enterers and you know, his, his kids demand a lot of time. And, uh, he's just, you know, yeah, he's, he's really fascinating, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I certainly don't think it's impossible to do. And so I think you should just set out to do it, just decide you're going to do it. And, and the one thing to not do is, is, you know, get discouraged, right? Cause the worst case scenario is if, if you find, you know, two years from now that you haven't achieved stream entry yet yeah. and suddenly the opportunity to do a week retreat comes up, Well, just do a week retreat. You know, it's <laughs> <that's> fine. <laughs> it's perfectly all right. Cause all of that work that you did before that retreat is going to contribute to the success of the retreat. And if you don't get to do a retreat, it's likely that you'll be able to succeed anyway. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the finders course stuff is, typically demanding about two hours a day and they have people reaching uh, they don't call it stream entry, but, but basically reaching, uh, what I would describe as stream entry, um, in 17 weeks pretty frequently. So, you know, uh, they occasionally there will be days when they do three hours, but, but, uh, but it's definitely not full on retreat. And in fact, um, there is a case to be made, and, and Jeffrey, who's the guy who runs the, the Finder Scores, makes this claim that that it's actually uh, the fact that you're doing it during your life, as opposed to being isolated from your life, in some ways, makes it more effective. Mm-hmm. So,
6: mm-hmm.
0: so that's another thing to think about: is that like you know you you are constantly being exposed to stuff that that. Uh, that is triggering, and if you're able to do enough of a practice that you're really able to maintain mindfulness, then your opportunities for insight increase mm-hmm. dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, you're
3: strong enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
3: yeah. But um, thank you. That, that was the, a great conversation. Thank you.
5: Yep. Uh, the welcome. opportunities for insight—you mean uh, super mundane insight or just uh, mundane insight?
0: Well, so. What is the difference between super mundane insight and mundane insight?
5: Well, I would say that uh, super mundane would be to be able to have an experience of one of the five uh, okay. key insights, and mundane uh-huh. is just more related with virtue and seeing your attachments so or... okay
0: the reason I asked that question is because um you're having super mundane mundane insights all the time, right like you're seeing through the emptiness of self all the time. You're seeing interconnectedness all the time. The problem is you're not noticing it.
5: Uh
0: And uh, (laughs) because because your mind isn't sufficiently unified or because your mindfulness isn't strong enough or whatever, you're not noticing it. And so so if you're doing enough of a practice that your mindfulness is strong enough that you don't just blip over every one of those super mundane, mundane insights, then... You know, basically what I'm getting at is that, is that in your day-to-day life, the opportunities to see through to the nature of reality are occurring all the time. And yeah. if your mindfulness is, is sufficiently strong and if your mind is sufficiently unified, um, then you can have insight. You know, The way it can work is like if your mind isn't totally unified, then uh, you might just have a gradual insight process that leads to stream entry over the course of months. Um, and this happens. Chuladasa describes some of his students have had this exact thing happen to them. They they never have like this sort of like pulled the rug out from under them experience where like everything yeah. changed overnight. Instead, for them, what happened was that over the course of six months, their mind just slowly shifted away from ordinary view and into uh, stream entry view. Like no, you know the, the 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 three fetters just kind of gradually dropped, and yeah. and it was and and. That sounds more plausible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, of course, the nice thing about, like, a really powerful super mundane insight is it's unmistakable, right? You have the insight and you're just like, whoa. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I but, would
5: like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But tragically, this does not happen to everybody who has stream entry. So yeah. you got to take what you get because it's, you know, having the, having the, uh, the, drop in the the sort of substantial self that you get at stream entry whether it happens because you had some wow moment or whether it happens because of a gradual process is so worth it
2: yeah anyway well to me the the most fundamental thing is do you know how to practice and is your practice you know resulting in improvements if you, if you know if you got those two things like yeah nothing really matters nothing else matters you just yep. keep doing one and two right and I and agree. you know you don't know i mean we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring right yeah. and we don't know how long our life's going to be we don't know what the causes and conditions are going to arise or external factors it's going to you know be barriers that we have to overcome or even past barriers things that like you know from our early half we're not we can't change that right but if we if you know one and two right you keep you just keep doing one and two and you know good in the beginning good in the middle good in the end right and meanwhile if you're focusing oh gosh like you know i gotta get to this stage i gotta get to this stage like that i mean could be good for some motivation but there's a it's a it could be a fragile motivation right it could disappoint you um you know the most important thing is like I mean do what it takes to keep on practicing and but yeah and, and always keep on dealing with dealing with deal with the problems of the moment right the mm-hmm. challenge of the moment and work on that as opposed to you know you can kind uh, of knock it, it, the shadow box yourself out and knock yourself out like thinking about gosh I, I really got to get to stream energy I really got to get to to this path to this attainment or this level of shamatha.
3: yep
0: yeah and and I mean I, what the the thing you said at the beginning, Gilbert, I just want to reiterate because it was so good, which is um notice whether you're whether you're getting results in your practice like is is, yeah. is your practice progressing because yes. yeah. if your practice yeah, yeah. is progressing, then ultimately like you have no choice but to but to you know assuming you live long enough right but but you have no choice but to reach whatever results you're you're shooting for because your practice is improving on the other hand you could sit there and do a practice that's very stable and very pleasant for the rest of your life and make zero progress
2: i guess um, but the one thing i'll say is i I I, mean, I I agree but like i notice it's very very common that that people will will doubt their progress mm-hmm. and like they'll say they'll admit, oh yeah you know, i know i'm having progress but i don't think it's enough nah. <laughs> it's not enough or maybe I'm not progressing fast enough and then they'll start doubting their practice and they kind of start undermining it. Um,
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. I am going to upvote that too. Thanks Mike. Okay. Uh, Does anybody else have any stuff they want to bring up. I know, Mike, you've got stuff you'd like to bring up. Um, But uh, Ken, Martin, uh, who else hasn't gone? I mean, Gilbert, you haven't actually. You've you've said some great stuff, but you haven't actually talked about your own life, nor have I. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I could say a little bit. Uh, So I started a new job um, and, you know, there's a lot of upheaval. my person in the in the life or and then also even just the meditation practice but um you know i've been consistently sort of uh sitting uh, about an hour a day in the morning um and just you know i notice the different agitation and stuff but i just i just sit it and sit with sit, sit with it and kind of uh you know keep on doing the practice of just okay staying present. Following the breath, um, you know being aware of the body, and to me that's that's the practice and um I know that's exactly what I need to do, um you know, to just be present of like you know what what is going on in this moment and and being accepting of it um, and it it's so incredibly helpful, right it's so incredibly helpful because. You know, uh, sometimes in in some of the the better days, the better mornings, or I'm able to sort of feel that sense of of peace despite there not necessarily being that much peace. You know, the peace comes from uh, the confidence of knowing that I can be with things i can be present and mm-hmm. just just being present is um there's a beauty in that as opposed to like oh my god i i gotta run things or i gotta uh, run from things or i gotta run towards things i gotta somehow manipulate the experience so it it is the right type of experience then i can appreciate it mm-hmm. um but if i'm I'm no, just just you know my only job really is to kind of to 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 show up be present and just work with that um you know that's that's so much more manageable that's that's manageable that's like that's that's doable as opposed to trying to manipulate like experience to be a certain way i mean that's actually not doable right like at least that's not that's not a sustainable long-term strategy you mean like cuz you're you're constantly frustrated <laughs> yeah so,
0: so, so do you feel like, I mean, this is interesting because what you're describing is a lot like what I do. And one of, one of the things that I wonder for myself is, um, you know, I don't necessarily notice a progression in my practice in the stages because of what I'm doing. I just notice a progression in my practice of, um, purification, deepening, yes. that yes. sort of thing. So is that, is, is that where you're at at this point?
2: that's very much the focus i think right mm-hmm. and um because i've found or at least my current thinking and i could i'm probably way wrong but like one there's a way that one could map even the stages of, of uh shamata. Uh, that are highly subjective like one person's level level 10 you know mm-hmm. like could be this really really low bar or it could be this you know incredibly high high bar right because i you know yep. I, I don't think shamatha the the development of shamatha really ends mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. and i would say like some i i practiced that a range from stage four to probably stage eight um you know and just that range but even sometimes narrowing sometimes it's a little bit more clear towards the lower end it's, it's, it becomes a lot more clear like what, right. where i'm at yeah. um but towards the upper end i to me it's it starts getting fuzzier right because there's like elements that seem like stage 10 or stage 9 and but and, and so i kind of put that aside because i see yeah. I'm not focused too much on that because i know also what's so much more helpful um or has so much more of a transformative impact is can i you know working with the purifications and just being allowing with you know whatever my emotional reactions bodily reactions mental reactions and i'm allowing but also subtly training, training it right or guiding it in in a um a more helpful way um yeah. And, and that's, that has the carryover to my life. And there's a be, there huge benefits in my life. So, so, so yeah, So I, I guess I, I am agreeing with you, right? Because I mean, you, to me, it's like you see the meat, right? The meat is, 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 is working with your reaction, working with your or reactivity, your emotional mm-hmm. reactivity. And if the more you are reducing that, I mean, oh my God, it's so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful, so beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: for me, for me, the challenge is that because I'm, you know, doing this, right. I feel like I need to, because, you know, my, like it, it's interesting, like I could describe my practice as a stage four practice or as a stage 10 practice, depending on which sample I take. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, and the difference is it's a stage four practice when I'm trying to do something and it's a stage 10 practice when I'm just OK with what's happening. Um, and, uh, so like this morning when I meditated, I was just, uh, I didn't really have an agenda and, um, and I was like, well, I don't have an agenda. Should I have an agenda? Well, let's just not have an agenda today. And, um, which is not normally what I do by the way. Uh, and so my agenda such as it was, was just whenever something, whenever there was some tension to release it. And so basically the whole practice was just doing that. And by the time the, the timer went off, I was clearly in, you know, a, a, a beautiful, blissful, quiet meditation. The timer was not disturbing, so I don't think I had any subtle dullness. Um, and, but then, like, if I try to do practices where I advance through the stages, what will happen is I'll wind up in stage four, struggling with gross distraction. and Um, and, uh, you know, when the timer goes off, it might startle me. (laughs) Like, so like all of these problems of meditation show up when I do that. So, so I, this is a conundrum for me. Like, like.
2: And one thing I'll say is what I've noticed is, um, you know, our state, like stage four or ability moment to moment, Mm -hmm. like is, can, uh there's a way that be, you know, we're more aware of things like moment to moment are changing. Yep. And so in some ways with the moment to moment changing, that's a little bit more like disruptive. Yep. Um, and so, but that, that's like a good problem to have in a sense, right? Um, meanwhile, before, it's like, I guess our, we get higher standards is basically what I'm trying to say, right? Um, and so you can, with the higher standards, you could even,
6: um,
2: yeah. What, what it means to be, uh, com- or even like, like no, no gross distraction, no subtle distractions, like the bar kind of, I think gets higher and higher in a way. And it's, it's a good problem to have, right? Because your, 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 your capabilities are going up.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 measure that I use that I find most, um, sort of like, I don't want to say disturbing cause it's really not, like, it's not like I need to do something, but the thing that I feel lacking is, um, I don't seem to have access to Jhana. Um, and that may just be because I'm not really trying very hard to have access to Jhana, but, but, uh, it does seem like a, like something that I would like to explore. Mm-hmm. So,
2: well, and,
0: and maybe I'm just approaching my... it the wrong way.
2: Well, and for, for myself, um, I don't have reliable access to jhana. I mean, I think I've gone like a few times sort of just dip dipped in and stuff mm-hmm. when there was ways that like my practice feels like it's generally over the long haul kind of heading in that, like, you know, cultivating the general causes and conditions. But in terms of, I'm not like a, a you know, a, an expert on jhana at all. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've like, I'm perfectly at peace with that because I, I see the progress of my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I see and, and know like, you know, how what I'm doing is so very useful, both like just in my regular life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, I kind of think people who are really, sometimes I think people who are really into John, it's like, wait, I think they should probably be doing this practice a little bit more. Um, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, this, this a little bit ties into what Federico was talking about, because one of the things that, that um, I've been doing in my practice, kind of like you, actually, like my job situation, I don't know if it's quite as exciting as yours, but it's definitely, it stirs up a lot of stuff. And it's really useful when it stirs up yes. a lot of stuff, because, you know, the stuff gets stirred up, and you see it, and you recognize it, and and you know what to do about it. And you just, so it's just like, but if, if you weren't stirring it up, it would just be lying there on the bottom, not doing anything waiting for you. Right. And then it would come up when it wasn't convenient, <laughs> so to speak. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so I think we've probably rambled long enough and it's, it's getting into the second hour. So uh does anybody else feel like they want to go before we, uh, before we close this uh the speed up I see I see uh what looks like on the fenceage going on like like I got a little bit of like Martin was thinking about whether to say something and not sure I don't know what's going on with Ken how are you guys doing
5: um well I guess I I do have stuff to bring up but I don't I feel like I don't want to keep you too long because I'm already really appreciative of, of all the time you're putting in. So I don't want to, um, put too much strain on that.
0: You're good. Go ahead.
5: All right. So I've got like a, a stage three question, I think. Mm -hmm. And since I like, since the first time I ever came on this call, I'm I'm struggling with identifying stages. I mean, struggling is too strong a word, but kind of groping in the dark, trying to figure out how to label the stuff that's happening for me. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a poignant example of something that happened that would be, I think, useful to know what to call it. So I was actually doing a guided meditation. There's there's a bunch of like guided uh, TMI meditations floating around somewhere. Yep, and it was the stage three guided meditation and one thing that's really nice is it reminds you to check in and getting reminded to check in is was really useful for me because uh, when i was lost in thought or distracted in some way and it would just remind me to to check in and that was that was nice to see like how how that like uh different different reminder of of checking in worked And what happened to me in the beginning was um, I was suddenly becoming aware um, that there was mental talk and mental imagery going on. So, and the way that went for me is like, uh, like you said before, being on the breath, minding my own business, and then a distraction comes up, but I wouldn't notice it. So it would kind of sweep me away and I, I would be lost. Without, And the way I think that works is having no awareness at all. So you kind of just get swept away and then it reminds you to check in and, oh yeah, right. Check in. There's all this weird stuff going on. Okay. Back, back to business. And then, so that's, that's kind of the one thing that happened. And then later on in the sit, something changed. And what kind of changed was, um, I feel like there was already awareness of thoughts happening. So checking in was pointless because I was already hearing all the stuff that was going on. Yep. So and I so is, is that like uh, so my interpretation would be that is awareness, um, introspective awareness? Yeah. Or so like what's going on there?
0: Right, so what you're describing in the second part of your meditation is something that I would say would be continuous introspective awareness or maybe metacognitive introspective awareness. And what you're describing at the beginning is you still had awareness, but um, awareness wasn't really, uh, you know, like you, you can't be distracted and not be aware of the distraction. Because you're being distracted by it, right? I mean, like, like yeah. that's what your attention is on. So, so you're aware yeah. of it. The thing that you're not aware of is that you're distracted. Yeah, that
5: that's how I meant it. And right. also, losing the meditation object entirely. Yeah.
0: Right. So, so uh, with with continuous introspective awareness, you're always aware that you're distracted when you're distracted. You yeah. might still be distracted, but you're aware that you're distracted.
5: Yeah. So it, it was definitely the case that I, I was really noticing that I didn't have anything resembling exclusive attention on the breath. Mm-hmm. So the, the mental talk was taking up quite a bit of space. Um, now, so, was
0: it verbal or was it just like thoughts that weren't verbal?
5: Um, it's mostly like mental talk.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So, so words? verbal talk. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. you can it's, have um, mental talk that's not verbal.
5: Yeah, it sometimes takes the form of something you said um, at the beginning of this of this um, of the meetup, where you you know there's talking happening, but you can't hear the words, you can't understand the words. Yes, when you were talking about like people um, with Mike, like people in the other room, I have that with my own mental talk, where I can tell there's something going on, but I there's like maybe it's like really vague, like. I would have to guess what it is or something, but
0: yeah. 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 And it might not even be verbalized at all. Yeah. Generally it's really speaking, it's probably it's it probably isn't, but yeah. Yeah. That's uh, one of the ways that that distraction can really get you is if you have like a strong thought that isn't verbalized and you're, you've been training yourself to notice verbalized thoughts, then that one will just pass right under the radar because you didn't train yourself to, to catch it. Yeah. So you Mean images. Uh, could be images, could be concepts, could be um, uh, like when you have a thought that's verbalized, what's really going on is that is that uh, a thought that you had is being narrated, right? Like the thought itself wasn't words, but the narrating mind or the, the narrator, the verbalizer put it into words because that's that's a way that we habitually operate. That's the way that our minds, a, a way that our minds habitually operate. Um, so, uh, so pretty much anything that you can think of, you can think of without words. You don't have to have words attached to it. Um, it's, this isn't true of every single thing you can think of. There are some things where the, where those concepts that are connected to the words are needed for the thought to fully form. But, um, the more that you stop, the more that verbalization stops, um, the more that you can have, even those thoughts start to happen without the words happening. Um, and so you can have a very detailed, uh, stream of thinking that never has a word connected to it. Um, and it's not just images and it's not just, there will be images, but it's not just images and there will be, you know, concepts, but it's not just concepts. Um, So I'm not sure that's even helpful to say, but, but, you know, just answering your question.
5: By concepts, what do you mean? Like, how do I recognize those?
0: Well, like for example, um, I mean, one way that this comes up for me is that I'll notice some, uh, mental affliction, right. I'll notice some, um, some conditioning that i have associated with some behavior outside and and i never verbalize it like a, so for example i might notice a car i don't know if do you drive much yeah okay so if you drive on a multi-lane highway um you'll be driving along minding your own business and somebody else will come along and they'll catch up to you and then they'll slow down and so they'll yeah. wind up like right alongside you and you'll notice that and you don't need to say that person is riding alongside of me to be aware that that's what's happening. Right. You don't need to, you don't need to verbalize that. So that's an example of, 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 a a thought that's not verbalized. That's, that's conceptual. Um, and then, you know, then you might form a whole strategy of how you're going to deal with this person who's kind of dogging you on the, on the highway. Uh, And you don't need to have words for the strategy. You're just like thinking, okay, you know, you're thinking a thought, which means slow down, but you never actually think slow down
6: Yeah.
0: or speed up or, or, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. So uh, as, you know, I don't know what your experience of of, uh, silence is at this point in your practice, but um, at this point, most of the time for me, uh, there aren't words coming up in my head. So, uh, so if thoughts are occurring, they're not being verbalized. And so for me, like a lot of what I think now is just like that. It's just the concepts without any words associated with them. And yeah. so, uh, so this is a very frequent experience for me that, that I notice it happening. But if you're verbalizing everything, I mean that this it's I think it's still happening underneath the verbalization, but you're just not aware of it because the verbalization is kind of louder than the thoughts underneath the verbalization.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank
5: you. Sure. Yeah, Here. so can I can I just like ask a quick follow-up? Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering how this connects to stage three. Because I had the hypothesis that this is what, like, mastering stage three is all about. Uh, it, it seemed like that's what you want to get when you check in to where in, uh, introspective awareness becomes continuous, and then you kind of move on to stage four at that point. Because it seems like a very distinct milestone where I can really tell the difference between um, like the two stages I was in in that sit that I described.
0: Yeah. That is a distinct milestone. Um, the continuous introspective awareness gets better and better though. It's not like that's the only, it's not like it's not there and then suddenly it's there and it's binary. So, uh, so what you were describing sounded like a more advanced continuous introspective awareness than you necessarily see later read, uh, more advanced than you necessarily need to, um, to, uh, to get out of stage three.
2: Um,
0: but you know, you you've described meditation experiences that sounded like they were pretty far past stage three before. So I assume that you're you're kind of in that place where you're like maybe honing your stage three exit, but you you you've already exited stage three before. It's just that now you're doing it some more.
5: Yeah, I feel yeah, like sure. I'm back in stage two. So I think mm-hmm. either you or I are misdiagnosing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I'm really confused about all this, because yeah. sometimes it seems like I get these like glimpses of, of cool stuff happening. And then it's like days and weeks of just, just taking 20 minutes to do the four step, uh, the four step transition, because I get, I forget so much and I mind wonder so much.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so, so, I mean, you know, last time you were on the call, you, you mentioned that you had a pretty, pretty significant shift in your experience. Has your experience gone back to the way it was before? Or is that still the same?
5: Um, yeah, that was a pretty singular thing for me. Yeah, That's not coming up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing some nice improvements in daily life. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, of, of what I assess my sitting stages to be, mm-hmm. it's two and
0: three. Okay. The reason I ask is because sometimes when that happens, there's enough of a shift in the way your awareness works that whatever you were doing that was working to get you to the later stages doesn't work anymore and you have to relearn it.
5: Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like.
0: Okay. What I was
5: doing before is like really weird now and it doesn't do the same thing that it did before.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was was doing a thing
5: of of like relaxing into awareness a lot and like really only having, I was thinking of it as parking my attention on the breath and then Mm -hmm. really opening up awareness. Mm -hmm. And that worked really well because I could really hear all the mental talk. Mm -hmm. And now it just leads me straight into mind wandering.
0: Okay. And yeah. I have
5: to really sharpen up attention more and, and like kind of put more energy into attention.
0: Yep. Yep. So sorry about that. But but uh, the good news <laughs> is, you know, now, now you know that it's happening, you can work on it, right? So it is, uh-huh. it is, and it sounds like, I mean, what you just described sounds like progress. So, so you know, it's just as your, as your mental experience, sort of the, the mental loop shifts, um, what used to work doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something that will work. It's just that it's something different.
5: All right. Sure is a weird way of progress, but that kind of reassures me anyways.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the good at the beginning, good in the middle, good at the end thing is still true though, right?
5: Yeah. I have to remind myself that it is though. Yeah. I keep getting, getting lost in all the, all the negative self-talk from time to time. And I have to oh, yeah. remind myself not to do that too much.
0: Yeah. Well, that little quote that Mike gave us, I think that was really, really to the point. I mean, it, I definitely like, you know, yeah. think about that. So, Ken, do you have anything you want to talk about?
1: Uh, nothing too pressing, just kind of working working away on stuff and what's going on. Okay. Right.
0: And then Adriane, what about you? I'm fine. Okay. All right. Well, we uh, seem to have used up a good, uh, well over our hour, which is fine. Um, thanks everybody for coming. Great to have you on the call for the first time, Federico. Hope we'll see uh, you again.
3: Thank you. Uh, yeah. thank, uh, very generous of you. Uh, doing it for free It's cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, take care, everybody.
0: Bye. Uh, uh, thank, you. thank you. Bye. Thanks for coming.